reading this morning comes from three different sections, um, two from Matthew and one from the book of John. So we're just going to read them as one complete reading, beginning at Matthew 26 and verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Moving to Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Moving to John chapter 21 and verses 15 to 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love me. I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's really good to be back here at Brighton Road. As David said 25 years ago, it was here that my ministry began. Still some faces that I recognize. And they were such special times. I have really fond memories of my early years at Brighton Road. I was given, and I'm really thankful to have been given these opportunities. And um, I think David and the deacons at, at the time took a bit of a risk on me. Here I was, a charismatic uh, divorced woman and uh, they, 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 they recognized in me something hopefully and uh, I was given the opportunity. It's lovely to see Dennis here this morning. Dennis it's good to see you. I have fond memories of those early, early years don't we? <laughs> um, I was here to um, work half time as uh, evangelist to work with evangelism here um, one of the three ministers at the time, David and Nick Lear, if you remember, the youth minister. And then part-time to develop the newly 
planted a church plant, daughter church of Brighton Road. And there I stayed and was there for 25 years. And here I am, retired. I'm a pensioner. I've got my bus pass now. I can't believe it. Um, but I was received so warmly and really thankful um, to have been given that chance. And uh, yeah. And in case you wonder where I'm, where I am now, where I'm worshiping now, having retired uh, um, from life at the end of last year. Well, um, I'm trying to keep out of the way. I'm trying to keep out of Horsham because I was used to lead the ministers fraternal here and very involved in all the churches. So um, I'm worshiping in Crawley um, at at the moment. Um, I'm uh, with um, uh, the the newly planted Holy Trinity Brompton uh, congregation there in Crawley. And I'm helping lead the Alpha courses as well. So just trying to keep out of the way to give the new minister at life every single opportunity to, um, to serve God there without kind of me getting in the way. Because 25 years in one place is a long time, as you can imagine. Well, today you're starting a new sermon series, um, the eight features of a healthy church, I believe. And um, over the, the Tim has set this sermon over the weeks you'll be looking at, and not necessarily in any order of importance, but looking at empowering leadership, gift-orientated ministry, passionate spirituality, functional structures, inspiring worship services, small groups, uh, evangelism, and loving relationships. These are characteristics, features of a healthy church, and you'll be going through through them. Well, today, Tim has given me the first uh, to to look at, um, which is empowering uh, leadership uh, as one feature, one characteristic of what a healthy church should um, look like. I had to think a bit about this term, empowering leadership, and, and understand that this isn't powerful, although powerful leadership is good, Um, or empowered leadership, but empowering leadership. And this this implies a church which is intentional in seeking to empower others. And what does that mean? That means to encourage, to strengthen, to release, to give confidence for leadership or any other kind of ministry in the church. It's it's a leadership that helps um, people in the church to develop their own calling. And, and to mentor them and invest in them in reaching their own spiritual goals. And this is a far cry from the superstar uh, pastor churches where um, they just perhaps maybe enlisting church members to help them f- fulfill their role, um, but empowering leaders assist the church members to identify, develop their own gift and fulfill their own calling because no one person can do it all. We're a team together in church and everybody needs to play their role. And I think next week's topic, gift-orientated ministry, is going to develop this further. But as I thought about leaders and who empower others, immediately um, Matt Redman, the singer, songwriter and author, uh, came came into my mind he he won he had won and has won many awards and he's respected all over the world now as a christian songwriter and here even at brighton road you sing many of his songs but 
At one time, he was just a raw young teenager uh, when it all started. Someone, someone recognized the potential in him. Someone took a risk with him. Someone came alongside him, spent time with him, encouraged him, built him up, released him into a most influential ministry for Jesus. And that someone was Mike Pilavachi, uh, who some of you, or most of you perhaps will have heard of, who has led Soul Survivor uh, Anglican Church in what in Watford for about 26 years now, and he's headed up the Soul Survivor uh, Christian Festivals, which many of the young people at Brighton Road have been to over the years. Sometimes over the weeks, there's 30,000 young people there, and just many of them coming to know Jesus. So an incredible uh, ministry. And Matt Redman used to lead, in the early days in particular, he used to uh, help lead worship there. But Matt Redman had a tough childhood. His father apparently had severe depression and he committed suicide when Matt was seven, just seven. And his mother remarried and his stepfather was abusive to him and was eventually jailed. And Matt used to go to Chorley Wood, St Andrews in Chorley Wood, um, even on his own sometimes as a, as a, a, a young lad because he found it peaceful there and safe there, presumably. And Mike Pilavachi uh, came to be the youth leader. And he invested in Matt. And even though Matt was in, uh, reluctant, he encouraged him. He saw potential in him. Um, and even though he, he was young, um, he saw that there was something there. And even though he made lots of mistakes, and I remember uh, Mike Pilavachi. Uh, this is why I remember this this incident. Uh, I remember him telling the stories. He's always good at telling stories. But he said um, that there was this young Matt Redman and he was just taking him along to some services where there were just a few old ladies, some of them, just some old ladies there. And uh, and, and one day and Matt was there and he was playing with his guitar and he was singing and he was just away and he was singing a song that none of the old ladies knew anyway and uh, and he just kept repeating it over and over and over again and Mike was horrified and he was trying to say stop, stop it and, then, and, and he, he said he was so embarrassed but he saw in him something and he was willing to invest in him and how much we've benefited as a result of that well biblically Who do we look to for an example of empowering leadership? I'm not actually going to be speaking on that passage that was up, although I will refer to it. Um, There are many great leaders in the Bible, as we know. We could go to all sorts of different places. But who better uh, to learn from than the leadership of Jesus, the leadership style of Jesus, to help us, first of all, in, if we are, being that kind of leader, but also in choosing and empowering and releasing others into that kind of leadership too. And this isn't just for uh, ministers and deacons. You you, you don't think that it doesn't uh, apply to you if you're not a minister or a deacon or someone else in leadership. This is for people who are in all sorts of leadership, children's leadership, PMA, WF, any kind of leadership, or, dare I say, it goes as far as to say that anyone who has walked further than anyone else in the Christian faith 
can come alongside and invest and encourage and build up and lead others. I've just selected a few verses um, from the first two chapters of John's Gospel. I'm just going to pick them out. They won't be up on the screen. Uh, But five things about Jesus' leadership. Firstly, it was spiritual. That sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Yeah, Jesus was God. He was fully man. He was fully God. But I just want to emphasize that uh, he was totally dependent um, uh, on the Spirit of God, he was at one with his Father. He he didn't he didn't come into ministry until that time, which I'm going to read from John. Uh, a few verses here. The next day, Jesus uh, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, "Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." And then it goes on. John gave this testimony: "I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain." on him. And I myself didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify this is God's chosen one. So at that time, when the Spirit came down and remained upon him, and by spiritual, I mean he was dependent on the Spirit. This is Jesus. He ministered in the power of the Spirit. As I said, his leadership didn't really begin till the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained on him. He didn't even try to bring in the kingdom uh, until that point. He didn't do anything in his own strength. After, after the temptation in the wilderness, Luke 4 says he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and so on. He was tempted in the devil, uh, in the wilderness by the devil to do his own thing, but he didn't. He only did what he saw his father doing. He was absolutely at one. I am in the father. The father is in me. The words I say are not my own. Absolutely at one. And from that, I glean that if Jesus is our example for everything anyway, but our example of uh, of leadership, a good leader, then church leadership should not be based first and foremost on natural charisma, not on natural talent, not on intellectual ability, not first and foremost. The most important requirement are that leaders are spiritually spiritually mature or spiritually growing in, in God. I mean, Matt Redmond, I mean, he, he became worship leader. I mean, he wasn't necessarily very mature at that time, but he had a hunger for God and a passion for God. That le- leaders are moving on in that relationship. That applies to all of us anyway. That leaders are prayerful people, people who recognize that any strength that they might have comes from God. It's to be a ministry in the power of the Spirit, um, in which existing leaders must walk and lead by example and then encourage others to do the same. Well, I look back on my ministry and I recognize all the mistakes that I've made at many, to- many times. With hindsight, you look back, uh, but God has been faithful and God has encouraged me um, and God has chosen to use me even 
through my mistakes, as we saw, like with Peter there. Secondly, it was relational and accessible, I think. In John, uh, a few verses more in chapter 1, I'll read it for you. The next day, John was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and, and asked, what do you want? And he was inviting conversation. This was our relational Jesus here. And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So his leadership was relational. It was accessible um, no room for uh, aloofness and pride and separateness. You know, leaders must, I think, this is my opinion, but I feel that we're to be down, down to earth, to walk with people, to come alongside people, to be real with people. And Jesus' ministry was there at ground level. And so must leadership in a healthy church be, I believe. Leadership must walk with the people, spend time with them, be real with them. And Jesus is such an amazing example of that. And then thirdly, I think it was motivational. His leadership was motivational. The next day, I read from 43 to 46, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Jesus motivated others to do the same. As he did. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. He'd motivated Philip into doing the same. And I think a chief element of leadership is, is modeling, not just telling people how to be, but modeling it yourself and then motivating others to do the same. In one sense, uh, Jesus was saying, uh, to his disciples, remember, he just had the 12 at the time. I do it, and you watch me. You do it, and I'll watch you. You do it, and then I'll go. And that is, that's healthy leadership. Didn't try to do everything. We mustn't try to do everything ourselves. And Jesus taught his disciples and then he sent them out, even though they weren't perfect, as we saw with Peter. He risked their mistakes. He saw who they could be. He recognized potential in people. And just before in that uh, passage, it says, you are, Simon, uh, you are Simon, son of John, Jesus said. You will be called Kephas, which is transla translated as Peter. But it was this Peter. That we heard in our reading, 
he messed up so so badly. He denied the Jesus that he had loved and he walked with because he was afraid, because he'd, you know, he, he just lacked confidence at that time. But he denied him. Nevertheless, he was so sorry. And that's a key. We will make mistakes, all of us. We do make mistakes. I've made mistakes, lots of mistakes, even in my, in my leadership. But when we recognize that, and when we keep short accounts with God, and we, when we say sorry to God, he's faithful, and he still recognizes the potential in us, and he looks at us, and he sees who we could become in him, empowered by his spirit. He doesn't expect perfection. He knows that we will never be perfect, but he looks at the direction in which we're going, and he is willing to forgive and restored. And filled with his spirit, empowered by his spirit, we can do all sorts of things uh, for him and in his name. And I want to say again this morning that every single person in this church uh, is, is loved by God and is, he, he recognizes you. He sees the gifts that you've got. He sees the potential you've got. And even through the mistakes that you've made, and he longs for you to he longs for you to come into all that he has for you and then finally i think we've got someone not well here have we is he not well he's going out not feeling so well what's the lady's name we pray for her. Lynn. Hmm? Lynn. Father God, we just want to pray for Lynn this morning. You know that she's come over feeling unwell. We ask even now um, that you would touch her and you would heal her and you would, would restore her. Lord God, we ask for your, for your mercy upon her and for her health to be restored. Amen. And then his leadership was inspirational and encouraging. I take that from a couple further verses further on. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Really encouraging uh, for Jesus to say that to him, uh, for Nathanael to be, have that said to him. It goes on and says, How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I saw you, I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you, You'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You'll see greater things than that. He was inspirational. He gave them a glimpse of what it could be, told them of the things to come. And healthy leadership is is visionary. It has an eye on the future. It has an eye on what could be and what, uh, uh, what people could be like and what you, what you could be like. Uh, and what I could be like um, when we follow Jesus and when we live our lives totally uh, for him. 
And good and healthy leadership is able to pass on that vision and help people catch it themselves. I love the illustration of mm, the, the, the uh, chief of a tribe in North Africa, uh, North America. Uh, he was dying and he, and he was with his three sons at the base of a mountain. And he needed to pass over the leadership to one of them. So he, he told them to climb to the top of the mountain and bring back something beautiful. The one whose gift is most outstanding will become the new chief, he said. So they went, and after several days, uh, the first one brought a rare flower back. And then uh, the second one came along, and he brought a beautiful stone. And the third one came, and he brought nothing. But he said, I looked over to the other side, and I saw a beautiful land filled with green pastures and lakes, and I had a vision of where our tribes could go for a better life. And I was so overwhelmed, he said, I couldn't bring anything back. And the old chief said, you will be our chief, for you've brought us a gift of vision for a better future. Encouragement as well. He encouraged Nathaniel, didn't he, Jesus, when he gave him that prophetic word. Encouragement is so important. I'm I'm, I'm jogging at the moment. I'm doing my 5K, Pauline. Um, I, I, I've got up to running uh, 30 minutes in one go, um, and I'm really pleased with myself, but I can only do it because I've got an app uh, on my mobile um, with a lady called Laura. Um, obviously, I don't know her. I mean, she's a, a generic lady. And uh, in, in that, she, uh, she says, you start from the beginning, you walk a little bit, you run a bit, a bit uh, over nine weeks. And she is so encouraging. I mean, she can't see what I'm doing, but she, she's so encouraging. And she says, you can do this. You've done this, so you can carry on. You've run 10 minutes. Now you can run 15. And I think, yes, I can. And that encouragement is just so important. We need to be people, all of us anyway, leaders or otherwise, of encouragement. Coming alongside and encourage, encouraging people. There's a, I live at the uh, Rocky Cricket Fields at the back of uh, where I live, and the the, the cricket uh, the, the practice nets are there. And there's an old man, an old cricket coach, and I can hear him at this time of year. And I think you must be the best coach in the world. He he's, he, he's got a loud voice, but he encourages. He says, "Well done. You can do this. You you can you can play like this. Maybe if you just did this, it'd be a better." bit better but you're so good at this and I listen to him he has taught me just listening to him over the over through the trees he has taught me so much finally it was confrontational uh, Jesus's leadership it was however confrontational leadership is that incident with the clearing of the temple courts and Jesus went up to the Jerusalem and he found people selling sheep and cattle and doves and exchanging money sitting at the tables and he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple courts. This is Jesus. He scattered the coins of the money changers, overturned their tables and to those who sold doves he said, get these out of here, stop turning my father's house into a market. Jesus, the leader, he saw what wasn't right and he dealt with it and it didn't make him popular. Uh, leaders are often not very good 
at uh, confronting things that aren't right. Um, we're all really nice as Christians, and we find it hard. Um, but I think it's very important to have within a, in church what I understand in terms of accountability and reviews in roles so people can be free to say, well, actually, probably need to improve a little bit on this, but you're being very, you know, you're very good, but da, 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 da. I think this is a very important thing for us to do. But for us too, all of us, to be um, accountable and teachable and humble. If we're challenged, do we get defensive? How well do we accept constructive criticism? Something we all need to, to learn a bit, don't we? So leaders in a healthy church have a responsibility, surely, to follow the example of Jesus in, in all his ways, as ever, and empower and encourage others to reach their potential. I want to uh, just finish with, uh, here's a photo of, hopefully we've got, this is Eric, Pauline, you'll recognize Eric. Because uh, Pauline, we've been on a mission trip together there. This is Eric on the, le- uh, on the left-hand side here. Uh, when I first started going out on my trips to Kenya in 2003, he had been a street boy. Um, he was totally raw, uh, and he, he was very streetwise. Um, and I, I saw him, somebody had just taken him in at the time and was looking after him. He wasn't actually on the streets when I met him. Um, but we, as a church, we, we encouraged him and came alongside him and supported him. He, that's Eric on the right now. Um, and he's, uh, he's married with three children. And he is, he's come good. He's done so well with encouragement and, and with, even with all his mistakes. And he's messed up along the way. But now uh, he's, the, he's a registered pastor. The next slide, please. Have we got the next slide? Yeah. Uh, he's a pastor of Peace Church, which we started. Um, when, we, when we first started, it was just under a tree, um, people meeting under a tree, but now there's a church building, and now there's two churches planted, um, and they're doing really well. Rural pastors come there once a month. I teach over the phone uh, once or twice a month. I send notes, teach over the phone, and uh, it's interpreted. He is my interpreter. He always has been. Uh, he has done so well because somebody was willing to take a risk with him because he was supported there with um, other uh, elders um, and mature Christians alongside him as well and the support we were able to give. And also, and the next slide, please. Uh, he administrates the orphanage, which we... We, we developed is now coordinated. I've handed the coordination over to two people in Dorset. But when I first went, those children on the left were on the floor in just a dark room. Now it's a registered orphanage uh, with children who are being developed and, uh, and educated and, 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 and being successful and being fed properly and clothed and taught uh, the Bible. And Eric is the administrator there, and he is giving his life to teach other people as a pastor the word of God and to 
empower them, but also to uh, help these children uh, become empowered to be uh, Christians and functioning adults and not on the streets as he was uh, at one time. And I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with Eric. I'm, I'm pleased with him. Um, I'm so th- I'm, in fact, I haven't been out for nine years now. I used to go out every year, but I, I think I'm going out in, in, uh, in the autumn because uh, I want to encourage him and once more and give, invest some more time in him. So he recognizes our potential. Leadership in the church needs to look around, I believe, and recognize people's potential. All of us have got a role in one way or another. And in, in, in just a moment, we'll come to the communion uh, table where it's a, a wonderful opportunity to reflect on all that Jesus has done for us, but to re- reflect, to take time and to reflect on our own walk with God and offer our lives in service to him again. Um, we will sing a, a Matt Redman song, Jesus Christ, I Think Upon Your Sacrifice, um, as one of the many that he wrote, and because someone was willing to invest in him, because someone was willing to recognize God's call on his life, and he was willing to be used by God and pour out his life to and for Jesus. These are encouraging things as we look in God's word for each and every one of us. Um, Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for what uh, you say in your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the example that you are to us. And you didn't just, you weren't just in heaven miles away and barking orders from above. You you, you, you came down and walked with people and ate with them and related to them and, and got alongside them and invested in them and you're still doing that with us today. And we pray as we come to the communion table that, that we will encounter you once again. This isn't just a memorial act. It's a time when we can freshly come to you and say sorry for things we've done and ask you to fill us afresh with your spirit and once again pour out our lives in service for you. Amen. So would you like to stand and we'll sing that?